Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This is Julie Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Robin Henry to the podcast today. Robin is an author, accelerator, certified book coach with an MLS in library science and an MA in humanities. She has previously served on book award committees and as a writing contest judge for the Women's Fiction Writers Association. She's a fan of the Oxford comma, hot beverages, and historical fiction. She can't wait to read your story. Her social media links will be in the show notes. Robin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have this conversation. Uh, and, you know, we're having more conversations with other folks in publishing um, to, to also inspire and help um writers at any point in their journey understand what's possible, um, who's out there, how to get support, and maybe how to rethink about their writing journey. Because, you know, at the beginning, you're on one journey. Towards the middle, you get on another yes, journey. There are and sometimes, a few twists and turns along the way, right? <laughs> yeah. And you need to reshift and refocus. But let's start at the beginning. Okay. When did you decide to work in publishing? So this is an interesting question. I okay, so I was a librarian for many, many years, and I always used to joke that if I was starting over, I would have tried to get into publishing from the very beginning of my career. But I was coming of age at a time and in a place where girls were socialized to be teachers. And so I became a teacher and a librarian. And I did love that job very much. I still, you know, I am still a teacher in what I do. I just teach people one at a time or in small groups. Um, and so anyway, what happened was I became more involved as a volunteer, as a librarian. I volunteered to be on, uh, I was on, if anybody knows, uh, Tayshaw's committee for Texas Library Association. I went on to work on some literature kinds of things. And I just, I really, I love books. I always have and I love writers. And I decided that after I retired from being a librarian, which I did a couple years ago, that I wanted to uh, go to work in publishing, which was something that I'd always kind of wanted to do in the back of my mind. So, you know, I had used my volunteer time as a librarian to get to know writers, to get to know publishers, to get to know, you know, people in that world. And I loved it very much. And I saw that there is a lot of support in that sort of book world for each other. And I really like that. And so anyway, that was why I decided uh, to do this as my second my second act, I guess, as people say now, um, after I retired from public school. And so tell me about that. I find it fascinating that you're a librarian. Sisters in Crime loves librarians. And, and you know, there are lots of librarians who are members of, of SYNC for different reasons. But tell me 
about the writing journey to the book coach and what that career is like and why specifically you decided to go that route okay. instead of editing for a publishing house or or anything other things. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, so I think probably for me, I, I do uh, enjoy <laughs> editing kinds of things. Um, but because of my background in education and because I have always felt, okay, so I'm sure many writers who are listening have had this same feeling. You read a book and you think, you know, this book could have been better if X, Y, and Z had happened. But then sometimes you read a book that doesn't get very much press and it's a great book and you can't figure out why everyone doesn't love it as much as you do. And so there are those kind of two things that happen. But I think the reason why I ended up coming, going through the training to become a book coach is because I am at heart still a teacher. I love working with writers who want to make their work really good and who are interested in getting it out there in the best possible shape that it can be. And that, and also I do love working, um, with people to create. I view the book coach relationship is it's a little bit like I do some developmental editing also. And it's a little bit like that in that you work with writers to help them bring their creation to a higher plane, if if that makes sense at all, um, to bring it to life. Like they have a vision and they get it all out there on the, on the page. And sometimes, you know, there's some things that need to happen between drafts and, you know, a few more drafts need to happen to where we get it to where it's, it's the book they saw in their head all along. Mm -hmm. They just didn't get it on the page at first. And, and let's be honest, no one does. Like if you go back and read about all the writers who have great books and stuff, it doesn't come out first draft the way you see it on the shelf. It takes lots of people to get it there. And I guess the other thing that I would say about that is that publishing has changed in the last many, many years. And as a lot of people probably know and have remarked on, uh, editors are overwhelmed at publishing houses. So sometimes authors don't get as much uh, support as they could. It's not the publisher's fault necessarily. It's not the editor's mm -hmm. fault. It's just kind of the landscape we are in at the moment. And so the book coaching role kind of helps fill that gap a little bit for, you know, authors who maybe in years past, if an editor would have only had like three or four authors they were working with at one time, and now they have, you know, 10 or 12 or 15, they can't give the personalized attention that they might at one time have given. And so the book coach role kind of fills that a little bit. So you mentioned in the book coach role, um, developmental editing, which is, mm -hmm. is one part, but it's, it's a very holistic approach, um, yes. to supporting an author. So can you explain a little bit more about, uh, what a book coach does? Because this is a fairly new yeah. word, if, if not it role, is. um, for folks. Um, and you know, we're, we're talking to, I'm talking to other book coaches in other ways because it is, um, it's a tremendous asset for authors who avail themselves of the services um, and, yeah, and, and need that kind of support. 
Yeah, it can be really helpful, especially for writers who feel like they're alone or whatever. But let me let me back up and answer the question that you asked a little bit. So the role is, it is very different. It is a very holistic approach, as you put it. So a book coach is going to, and, and it depends on where an author comes to you. Sometimes an author comes to me at the very beginning and we do a planning, uh, some planning work together, and then they start to write, and then I coach them all the way through their draft. Sometimes a writer will come to me, they've already got a draft, and I might do some diagnostic work on it, which is sort of like developmental editing, but then I will coach them through the revision process. Other times I'm helping somebody with their query if their book is already you know, at that stage. So there are different places where writers might come to me, but it is an approach that is going to include not only some help with understanding writing and just some of the terminology, some of the things that need to happen in a story and where they need to happen and and all of that, but it's also support in, one of my clients says to me, you know, other people don't understand that I want to talk about my characters as if they're real people, but you understand. And I say, yes, of course, because they, they are real people to us. They're, they're in your head and, and I'm, you know, and I'm they're in my head a little bit, you know, too. So there is that also that part of the support where I'm on the journey with you. I'm not going to write the book, but I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I'm going to give you feedback on your work so that as we continue through the process, your work gets better and better and then by the time we're done with my what might be a first draft, if you came to me early, it will actually be more like a second or third draft because we've done so much work along the way, right? So you're going to get things done more quickly and hopefully better because you have the support of someone who's just as invested in your work, hopefully, as you are and wants your success, but also at the same time understands what makes a book uh, work? What makes a story work? Uh, what are the kinds of things that agents and editors are looking for? Because we do have training in that as well. And then um, in my case, particularly because I have a lot of experience working with books and with multitudes of books, I can help you identify, you know, stories like yours or mm-hmm. how to shape it. I work a lot with people on structure because that is something that I and good at that it can be challenging for people because structure is something that's can be difficult to wrap your head around if you're you know if you're a first time or you know early early career writer so those are kind of the things that I would help you with but uh it is not a it's not a one and done usually although there are some services that you know might be that way it is more of a relationship like we mm-hmm. will collaborate you are still writing the book i would never write the book for you but we are collaborating in that we're brainstorming we're bouncing around ideas we're discussing uh, scenarios how you might choose to solve a particular story problem what i find kind of uh, interesting is that sometimes i'll sit there and we'll brainstorm how to solve a story problem and then the writer will go off and then the next month i'll get the pages and the solution turns out to have been nothing that we talked about <laughs> but what they will say is the fact of talking about it actually helped them think of the idea they needed so that they could finish writing it. So I, I always find that very interesting. So in one of my 
many previous lives. Um, I was um, a certified life coach. Um, ah, and, yeah. You know, still, still, it's still, I'm certified life coach, I guess, but I don't employ it in this job necessarily, but I still use some of the skills. And mm-hmm. one of the things that life coaching did, and I want to ask if it's the same in, in book coaching, is you you don't offer, you help people get out of their own way. Yes. Yes. It's and, very much, it's very much like that. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, you find out what's stopping people from finishing, you know, from doing what they want to do or, or, or what they, what behaviors they have that may not be helping support them. And yes. it's also about an accountability, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, when you have, when you're paying somebody once a week to talk to them, exactly. you know, you're you going better to do it. get your pay. Yeah. You better get the work done or have something to talk about. Um, yes. So is that true in book coaching as well? Yes, I would say that is definitely true. In fact, some of the people that I work with, one of the things that they say has been the most helpful Well, two things. And it's just exactly what you said. Number one is I encourage my people who are in the early stages of drafting, who are writing their first draft, their initial draft, to continue. Don't stop and go back and fix what you've done. Continue writing forward based on the plan that we make. We set goals every time, you know, for the scenes that you will write and et cetera, et cetera. And so I always encourage them to write forward. And I've had several people say to me that until they came to work with me, they had so much trouble. They just kept rewriting the opening Mm -hmm. scene over and over and over again. And I told them, no, no, let's keep going. Let's go on. And several people have said, you know, that's been one of the most helpful things. And then the other thing is the accountability, because like you say, if you've got someone who you're paying, but who is also going to ask you, because I will email you when your deadline's coming up. Hey, how, how's it going? Do you have, your, do you have your pages for this, you know, for this week? And it does build in that accountability. And it also gives you, I think, a feeling of accomplishment because I have a writer that I'm working with and she had previously been kind of feeling like she wasn't sure she knew what she was doing. And after she got the feedback from me on her pages, she realized her writing was actually pretty good. She just needed a little bit more structure to kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. So we just, you know, we, we work on whatever is, like you say, standing in your way. We'll talk about it. We'll make a plan for it. We set goals. I have a, I usually keep notes, excuse me, for every meeting and we'll set goals and we'll discuss that. And if we need to adjust, we adjust. Sometimes we spend a little bit of time looking back at the outline. If we've strayed off of it, which is okay, it happens. Then we just kind of say, okay, what do we think is going to happen next? And let's, you know, let's talk it through. So it's it's hard to describe because it is very much like what you say. Like it's very individualized. You different people, different things. And part of the conversations I have, um, I'm privileged to have on this podcast with so many writers is there's not one way to write a book. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has a little bit of a different twist. And I always am so inspired by hearing people and and their, their, how they tackle their creative process and how maybe they change it over time or for different genres. But what do you do if you're working with a client who's a pantser? Um, and just the <laughs> oh, that's thought a good question. of an yeah. outline is gives some hives. I get that. Yeah. And I have a couple people like that. <laughs> so what we usually do, I usually have them start with some character work because generally yeah. speaking, people who are pantsers are inspired by characters. Mm-hmm. 
And so if they go through the process of identifying their character's goals, motivations, and conflict, then that kind of helps them get an idea. And then what we usually, what I try to encourage them to do is we do not make a real outline. What we do is we come up with the five events, five story events that really just must happen, right? So like inciting incident, complications, uh, crisis, climax, resolution. We come up with those five things because most people know if they're making a story, they know what those things are. They've got it in their head. And then what we do is, and it depends on the person. Some people, I have them, I ask them to go ahead and write those five scenes when those five things happen. And then after those scenes, they write what happens in between. It's based on, uh, uh, what's his name's book, Refuse to be Done. I can't, his, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, anyway, it's a book called Refuse to be Done. It's about drafting and it's about writing a book in three drafts. I think three drafts might be a little optimistic, <laughs> but I do think that his his theory is sound. And this is what he does. He The first draft is what he calls um, a discovery draft. And so when I have people who are pantsers, I encourage them to write a discovery draft. And then we go back. And once the discovery draft is done, we talk about it. And we say, okay, what's working? What's not working? You know, what needs to happen? And we go about it like that. I love that phrase, discovery draft. I mean, because that's, you know, that's when they do figure out what the inciting incident is. Exactly. Because they've written their way into it. I mean, you know, um, and found stuff out. I will find, uh, refuse to be done. I will put that in the show notes. So if people are looking for it, they can find it. Um, Tell me, go back to talk about characters, their motivations. What were the two other aspects of characters? uh, Goals, motivations, and conflict. So um, I'm also a member of the Editors Freelance Association, and so I've taken some training with them. And one really good training that I took was about developmental editing, and that's one of the things that we learned about there, which I like to pass on to my clients, is that your characters obviously have goals. They have goals not only long-term, like for the whole book, but they have goals for every scene. Mm-hmm. And every scene, the characters have goals. And what works really well in a scene is to make conflict, you have different characters who have opposing goals. And it doesn't have to be like one guy wants to take over the world and the other guy wants to stop him. Like, it doesn't have to be that. It can be something as simple as my goal for to, for this scene is I really want to uh, cook dinner. But then this other person comes into the scene and is doing things to distract me from that or keep me from doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have characters with goals, but they have them at the scene level and they also have them at the overarching level and then motivations. What makes them act the way they do? So this is why writers, I think are such interesting observers of people. If you talk to writers, one of the coolest things is they will tell you the most interesting stuff that they just see because writers sit around kind of what people watching. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, like, it's one of my favorite things to do too. Like every time I go to the airport and sit, like I just sit there and watch people. It is so interesting to see like how people act. Um, And so you need to understand why your characters are doing the things they're doing. Because what that does for you is, especially if you're a pantser, if you have a character and all of a sudden a situation occurs to you, if you know your character's motivation and what their goal is, then you know what they're going to do in that situation. It's very clear to you. So when you're writing, 
maybe you haven't figured out the whole plot, but you know that if your character is put in X situation, they're going to do Y thing mm-hmm. because that's that's what they would do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's that's about that. Well, and I think that that's such useful work for people to do. And you're right. <clears throat> Panthers do that. They know their characters well so that they mm-hmm. can go in. Although characters will show up for them and, <laughs> and disrupt yeah. everything. Um, but also what's in the, it's the same as with coaches. What's in their way? I mean, what, what, you know, sometimes exactly. again, it's internal, sometimes it's external, but internal right. conflicts are interesting. And as a coach, you're dealing with people's internal conflicts, which Yes, they may not identify or you may not be able to help them articulate until, you know, you work with them for a while. Like, yeah. oh, you know, and that's, <laughs> that and that's where the teacher who told you you couldn't write is actually in your way. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're right, because they have been sometimes. OK, so I was interviewing an author um, the other day, and that's exactly one of the things she said is that, you know, she had been told she couldn't. Mm. And it took her a while to get over it and say, you know, yes, I can. And so, yes, it's the same. I think with, with the writers that I work with, sometimes they've been told they can't or that what they have to say is not important or that nobody cares. You know, there's a variety of things that people get told. And what I usually try to say to them is if it's important to you, if this is important to you, then you can do it. If it's what you want to do and you have something to say, then you should say it. And you claim the identity of a writer and you just you just go with it. And we, we sometimes we do have to work on that because a lot of people are a little shy to say that they're writing a book. And I never try to mm-hmm. tell them they must go tell everyone, you know, in their family that they're writing a book. I would never say that because that's a, that's you know, that's a choice that they need to make for themselves. But I do encourage them to feel that they are writers because one of the things that I work with um, writers on is developing practice because a lot of some of the people that I work with, you know, they have wives, they have families, they have kids. They don't have a lot of time, mm-hmm. but they want to write a book. It's something that's important to them. So one of the things that we work on is figuring out a system that works for you. And it's not going to look like your next door neighbor or the other writer friends that you have. It's not going to look like their system. It might be, Completely different. You know, they may be those people who get up at five o'clock in the morning. And for you, that's just not going to work. <laughs> like, that's just not you. And that's okay. You might be the person who takes their lunch break and writes during their lunch break. You might be the person who takes 15 minutes on the train or the bus or whatever and uh, writes on that on that situation. I have one client that I work with and she has a lot of time in the car because she she drives between places and she has gotten some software where she can dictate. And so she'll dictate into her phone while she's driving. So she gets a lot of writing done that way. So we work on ways to make your writing practice work for you because it's not a contest. It's not a zero sum game. It's not, you know, your way may be different from other people's ways and that's okay. Do you ever feel as a coach 
like you want to fix it for them, like just do this, but you can't because what you're trying to do is help them build up their skills yeah, and their confidence and their Yeah, it's very much like craft. being a teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. It's exactly like being a teacher or a mom, <laughs> right? Like you want so much to step in and do it for them, but you can't because the goal is just like when you're a teacher or a mom or a coach, that eventually you won't need me anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I will be sad and I will miss you and I will hope that we will be friends and that you will still email me when your book comes out and all that kind of good stuff. But the goal is always that at some point, you know, you fly a little birdie from yeah. the nest. So, uh, yes, it is very hard. But what I also think is interesting is, and this is something that I also learned from teaching. I taught, high, I taught middle school and high school for many years. Sometimes you think that you know how to fix it. If you would just do what I'm telling you to do. But then that person comes up with something different from what you said. And it's even better. And if you had told them how to do, if you had told them exactly what to do, it would have been okay and they would have fixed it. But there's so much to be said for them, not only figuring it out, but coming up with their own solution that is beautiful and not what you would have thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you're working with folks and, and helping them build their practice, understanding that, that everybody needs to find their own way, but you talked about creating a plan. Can you Mm -hmm. just give folks who are listening some tips on creating their own plan that will work for them? Yeah. So one of the things that I have, and I will send it to you because I don't think it was in any of the stuff that I already sent you, is I have a a calculator that I use with people who want to figure out. So if I have a goal for word count, so like, for example, let's say that you you would like to finish your novel. And I always encourage people to be realistic. I want to finish my novel in nine months or a year, you know, let's be realistic. Then I have a little calculator spreadsheet thing that I have figured out, you know, and we're going to, we always, we kind of go with what's the average word count for whatever genre you're in. So if we're doing sisters in crime, if we're doing mystery, it's probably in the 70 to 80,000 word range. You put in some, you put in some numbers and it will spit out how many uh, days oh, you can tell it how many days a week you want to write three days a week, four days a week, or five days a week. And it will tell you how many words you need to write for each one of those writing sessions. And what that does for you is it gives you a little bit of a concrete idea. Okay, if I write this many words on average for three or four or five days a week, then at the end of my nine months, I will have a draft. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing uh, that I do. But also what we do, what I like to do with people is um, after we do a diagnostic or we start some planning, then we kind of sketch out the scenes and we kind of make our goal. So like, for example, if I meet with somebody and usually the meetings are every two weeks, so we meet twice a month um, and they have a word count that they're trying to reach for the month, then what we do is at the end of each session, we set our goals and we set them usually by scenes and not by words. And the calculator that I'm talking about will also work in scenes. So the average number of scenes in a book is like 60 scenes, then you can put in numbers and it will spit out how many scenes you need to write per day. So we do the same thing when I meet with people is let's talk about which scenes are coming next. And that way, the other good thing about that is, first of all, they have a direction. They know what they're going to write for the next 
two weeks. But we also usually, when we do that, we brainstorm a couple of scenes ahead. And the reason I do that is I say, you know, if you get inspired (laughs) and you feel like writing ahead, then you know already like what three scenes are coming up next and you just go for it and you write it. So that's one thing. But also um, the other thing that we do is we we do some math. (laughs) We usually try to take a look when we're planning. I will always ask them, okay, what is your goal? for this book and we'll try to make it realistic but we will do some math and we will divide it up to make it manageable and we celebrate (laughs) we celebrate those intermediate milestones because they're important Mm -hmm. and because the only way to tackle something as big as a book is to divide it up into bite-sized pieces it's just like that old joke about how do you eat an elephant one bite Mm -hmm. at a time right it's the same so lots to unpack there as well, because you're exactly right. I, you know, I, I from the conversations I've had, to say I'm going to write a book is overwhelming. To say I'm going to write three scenes this week feels more doable yeah. um, with a plan moving forward. So you talked about maybe brainstorming with people about the next three scenes. What do you, how do you work with plotters who, <laughs> who plotters, okay. plotted yes. the entire the entire book within an inch of its life. Yes, yes. I have some people like that too. And and I have to I have to confess that those people are near and dear to my heart. <laughs> because <laughs> as a librarian, I I tend to be, you know, kind of um I, I sort of lean toward the plotting side. Um so I'm a planner. Um so I I I totally love I love all kinds of writers, but I, I do have a special place for plotters in my heart. Um so what we do is we start out with an outline and it's the same kind of a thing only for plotters we usually do a more detailed version. Yeah. But I will say this, I do not encourage even plotters to over outline and here's why. It never fails. And I've had this happen with multiple people so I I know that it's true. It never fails that once they get on a roll and they've got more into the characters and they have gotten uh to understand their characters and why they're doing things never fail stuff happens that's not in the outline and so I always say to plotters it's okay if stuff happens that's not in the outline because the outline is a great departure point it's a great skeleton but it's not written it's not the ten commandments okay it's not Mm -hmm. written in stone Mm -hmm. it's just a guideline (laughs) so that's kind of how we do it. And now people who are plotters, some of them, and this is true, some people will actually follow that outline and they'll make it, you know, work. But there are almost always little things that happen that aren't on there. And I think that's great. That's like the little bonus you get, you know, from being creative, like things occur to you. And so when I work with plotters, I, I of course hold room for them to plot to their heart's content, but there's a couple of things we have to watch out for. The first one is, Plotters tend to like a lot to make outlines and and they want to keep making the outline. It's kind of like keeping to rewrite that first scene over and over. They want to just, wait, it's not perfect yet. Let me redo it. No, no, it's okay. It's not going to be perfect. We're going to just go ahead and start writing. And then the other thing is that some of them, they get worried a little bit at first until I tell them that it's totally fine, is they get worried if like characters kind of come to them and stuff happens. That's not in the outline. I say, you know what? It's okay. Because that's what makes 
books exciting is if you are surprised by your characters, then your reader will be surprised by your characters. And that makes the book really interesting because that makes you want to read. Right. So, yeah, I, I love working with both kinds. Um, I, I think they have different strengths and different, you know, different ways in which we harness their strengths to work for them so that they get get the book done. And do you um, you talked about it, mysteries and working with your member of Sisters in Crime, working with Sisters in Crime authors. So so crime writers and even mm-hmm. within that, there's a lot of different you know, thrillers yes. are longer than cozies are longer than, um, right, right. do you, do you feel like you could coach any sort of writing or are there certain, certain types that you're more drawn to or that you understand better? Yeah, I think I would say that I am more suited to certain kinds, uh, because I have, uh, more of a, I have a deeper understanding of those kinds of books and, mm-hmm of the ways in which those plots work. Uh, I would probably not be a good coach for like a police procedural, not because I don't love them, but because I don't have experience in that area as a, in any of my life, you know, in any of my living. And so I feel like I would not bring to the table the things that might be best for that. However, I have a lot of experience with like historical research and, I love historical and spy. Uh, I, I've done in some of my graduate work. I worked on papers on you know spies and and so I have a lot of um, interest in certain areas. And so those kinds of plots, uh, I'm not only interested in, but I feel like I ha- I bring something to the table, you know, with you mm-hmm. bring something that will help you. I do also, you know, I am also of course a big huge cozy fan. I am in fact uh, anxiously awaiting. My daughter has. Uh, already got the new uh Richard Richard is it Richard Osman yeah and I'm having to wait until I get to her house I'm visiting her uh <laughs> later this month <laughs> so I'm having to wait to read it so I do love cozies I work with cozy writers I work with historical and you know any kind of spy fiction and those are probably my sweet spots mm-hmm. um I could though if you were interested if you did have uh you know something like a police procedural um then I can help you find somebody who could work with you if, if that's something that you're interested in, because I have book coaching associates who are, you know, experts in those, in those things. Yeah, because when people uh, reach out to you, Robin, they're looking to build a relationship or you understand that that's part of it. Exactly. Um, they may just want somebody to fix it, but you, you need to find a client you can work with and they need to find a coach that they can work with because one right. size doesn't fit all. Fit all. That's exactly right. It's a, it's definitely a, a relationship that is kind of long-term and then also it's just, yeah, it needs to be the right one. And so I always, if, if I don't think I'm the right person, I will try to help you find someone who is the right person because I think there are plenty of good book coaches out there and they have come from all different walks of life. Some of them are, you know, ex cops or whatever. And so, you know, they bring a different skill set. You talked uh, earlier about one of the things that you help new writers um, who can be any age, but sure. what, um, new writers do is to claim their space as a writer. Mm-hmm. What is the worst piece of writing advice people get that you have to undo? Okay. Um, 
I think the worst piece of writing advice that I have seen people get is to polish the beginning of the novel before you go on. Mm -hmm. To spend a lot of time on that first scene and polish it and make it perfect before you write the rest of the book. And the reason that is terrible advice is that 90% of the time, that first scene is going to change by the time you finish the book. Mm -hmm. And so if you spend a, a lot of time making it perfect and polishing it, then that's time you could have been writing some more scenes and getting your book finished so that you could revise it. That's just, you know, and that's based on writers I've worked with and writers I've talked to and, you know, listened to and heard what they've had to say and say, you know, I spent all this time and I, and so I would say, don't do that. What is, um, what is the piece of advice you give writers where you can see that they flip into that aha moment where they, it all like that gets them excited or makes empowers them? Okay. Um, one of the best things that I love doing that is I love asking, I ask a lot of questions and it's one of the things, my favorite things to do as a teacher. <laughs> and it's still my favorite thing to do as a book coach. Like I will read your pages and I will ask you a lot of questions. And the reason I do that is because I'm in place of a reader. And what I want you to do is make me feel what the character is feeling. So I would say the best advice or what I try to get writers to do is to always consider that the reader is on a journey with you and it's your job to make them feel something in every scene. It doesn't have to be good feelings, but they need to feel something. So as you're writing, think about how your characters are feeling. Think about what that looks like, what their thoughts are, what they're doing because of those feelings and put that in. Make me feel it when I read it. Make them feel. I, I, that's such great advice. So hard to do. <laughs> it is very difficult. It takes a lot of practice and it's, it's very hard. That's why writing is hard. <laughs> you know, people think writing is easy and it's really hard. It's really, it's work. It's it is. Work. It's very much work. <laughs> um, and the writing journey and the publishing journey are two different journeys. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you can control your writing journey, but you can't mm -hmm. always control your publishing journey. Do you coach people through that as well? The query yeah. up and down and the, all of that? Yes. Uh, I have a couple of people that I've coached through querying. Uh, so I'll just give you, I have one who's still in the process right now and she's gotten several requests. We're still waiting to hear back. So we have our fingers crossed. But yes, there are ups and downs. So in those cases, it's my job to encourage you and also to reassure you that, you know, it's just not a fair industry. And I don't mean that, you know, as I don't mean that to be a slam. It's just life is not fair. And your book might be great. Like I worked with one guy and he ended up he ended up doing indie publishing and his book has come out and it's great. It's getting good reviews, but he could not get an agent to touch it. And it's just, and I told him, I said, it's just a matter of timing because mm -hmm. sometimes it's just the right book at the right time. The right person happens to see it. And that's why I'm glad for him that he decided to go ahead and indie publisher because it's a very good book. He's gotten great reviews. The sales are going well. So, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, I do coach people through that, but some people want a traditional deal. So we, we will, co- I will coach you through that. And, you know, I will support you because yes, there are days I've had a couple of people email me like, I'm feeling down today. And I'll be like, you want to get on the zoom? Let's talk about it. And so we get on the zoom and we talk about it because it is a very difficult process and getting rejection, even if you're prepared, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have someone on your side who's, who can say to you, you know, I'm sorry. And I know this hurts today, but keep in mind, you've got a great book. You know, the beta reader said this, you know, we, we talk about it and we say, you know what? And, and usually what I do is I point out, cause I listen to a lot of author interviews and I always listen to find out things like how many times they queried. And the last one I listened to was, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what the guy's name is. It's some big book. I can't remember. Well, one of the ones I listened to not too long ago, I watched a TEDx talk with the guy, uh, with Marcus Zuzak, who wrote the book Thief, and he queried like 70 agents with that book before he found somebody. And that book is considered, you know, a masterpiece. So it's my job in those moments to say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way because you need someone to, you know, understand how you're feeling. But also say to you, you know, when you're ready, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Because look at Marcus Zusak. <laughs> look at you know, whoever else I've listened to that week and found out how many people they queried. I found out one, I forget now who it was, but somebody had queried over a hundred people and their book is a bestseller. Yeah. But they had yeah. to query a hundred agents to find the right one. Yeah. Because publishing is a weird industry. It is a weird industry. Um, do you coach people through the if they're going to indie publish or if they're launching do you with the marketing and with the, mm, you know, if they're I indie publishing. Not. Yes. So you because that's re- outside of my expertise, but I can refer you to people who do have expertise in that area. If that is something that you need. Um, yeah, unfortunately, and I'm learning more, so I may eventually, but right now I would not feel that I have the skill skills to do that. Now I can help you figure out how to get reviews because I know lots of librarians and I know where to post your book so that librarians will read it because it is true. And you probably know this since you said, you know, sync loves librarians and librarians, if librarians review your book and it gets enough, uh, word of mouth among the librarians. It's amazing what that will do for sales. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, library sales are a huge part of book sales. Right. And that's why if you do indie publish, you need to make it easy for libraries to be able to get the book, which you means totally you got to get do. it with Ingram or somebody else so they can yeah. order it for the libraries. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you need to get it in front of them. Like the best thing you can do is get it on like NetGalley or um, Edelweiss above the tree line and some of those places where a lot of librarians hang out. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll, some of them will read your book. Cause I, I used to do it all the time. I still do it sometimes. I still get, um, I'm still a member of Edelweiss and I, I love it. I'll get pre-pub books. And if I love it, I'll post it all over Instagram, you know, because I love this book. And I know lots of librarians do that. And then there's a way in there in Edelweiss, like you can review the books you read. It's the same for NetGalley. Well, if a librarian sees that another librarian has liked it, here's the thing that you have to know about libraries. A lot of them have collection development policies that don't allow them to purchase books without professional, and I'm using air quotes for people who can't see me, professional reviews. So they have to be reviewed by somebody that the librarian trusts. Mm-hmm. 
So if it's other librarians or if it gets a book list or if it gets some other publication or if it's on NetGalley and it's got three or four good reviews from, you know, people they know, then they'll buy it. Right. Yeah. But that's what you have to do is you do want to do that. And that's probably the only contribution I can make toward uh, marketing. <laughs> it's just telling you, be sure you get some reviews from some librarians and stick it on, you know, get it in the right places. But Robin, I think that first of all, that's not minor. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. But the other thing um, that I like that I'm hearing from you is if you can't help somebody in that area, you don't pretend you can. You'll oh, say no. you need to find somebody else. Um, yeah. Is there sort of a code of ethics with book coaches uh, uh, around? Well, that's an there? interesting question. Um, the co- we ha- those of us who are certified by Author Accelerator have signed, uh, you know, an ethical contract of of sorts that says that you know we always uh, put writers uh, we never want to do harm it's kind of like you know you always want to be encouraging you want to not do any harm you know all those kinds of things um i don't know that there's any kind of oversight but i think uh prop and this is something that uh i know that there have been uh i don't know any of these people personally but i have heard stories from authors who have like hired someone to work on their book and that person turned out to not do great work or not what they mm-hmm. wanted. So I would say that if you are looking, I know Author Accelerator does have an ethical component to it. I don't know about other um, places, but also just myself personally, I one of my values is, of course, honesty and kindness. So I will always tell you, if I can't do something, and I will help you, I will try to f- help you find someone who can, you know, do what you need. You know, because I'll be honest and say, like, here's one example. I I don't uh, work on any kind of what they call spicy romance. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I don't. I I I am no good at. I would be no good at it. Also, I don't read it. So, but I have lots of friends who are great at that. <laughs> so yeah. I will help you find that person who is good at writing those scenes, who is good at helping you with that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that helps at all, but that's. No, that does help. And could somebody ask you for references from clients? Oh, sure. Yeah. I've had people ask me that before and I'm happy to give you those. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. So I think within the publishing world, that one thing writers need to understand uh, that's hard is even when you're on your 101st query and you finally get a, a nibble, Yes. That may not be the right relationship for you. And so you have to you have to trust your gut and develop it and maybe walk away if it's not gonna if it doesn't serve you. Yeah, and sadly that is true. And I always am an advocate for, you know, and I am always offered to do this. I will be happy to meet. In fact, I have hardly ever um I don't I don't really really have a path for someone to hire me without talking to me first. <laughs> because I feel like we need to see mm-hmm. if you know, we can, if we can work together, if it's a good idea, if it's a good idea for us to work together. Um, and you're right. And this is usually true with agents too. And I know that for some writers, it just gets so, so difficult that sometimes if they get the one, they'll, they'll take it no matter what. But I've heard several author interviews where it turned out they had to get a new agent after that first one because it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So it's worth your time to have an interview with that person talk to them, see if 
it's a good relationship because it's like you say, and, and if you want a career as a writer, which most writers do, you know, that relationship with an agent and eventually with an editor is really important because you're going to work together, hopefully for a long time mm-hmm. on many projects. And I mean, and for a book coach, I hope that is also true. I mean, eventually, like I said, the goal is that you might not need that person anymore, but it might take a while. You might write three or four books before you're like, okay, now I know how I'm doing it. Right. Right. So you want that relationship to be a good one because it's, it's hopefully uplifting and beneficial to you at the same time that it is uh, a good working relationship. Yes. And writing that first book teaches you how to write the next book. I mean, it is even when you, you, become a master you still always learn and you're still always getting better there's always more to learn <laughs> yeah and right? do you find that as a coach as well I do always, yeah. I, I take uh I try to take a, a training I read a ton of craft books I go to conferences I do presentations but I also of course go to presentations and learn a lot when I'm there because I I, I think that you are if you stop learning what is that old saying once you stop learning you're dead or something like this yeah. um you know yeah so there's always more to learn there's always something you can do to improve yourself as a coach or as a writer both ways so final question what do you wish that writers understood about your work that they may not um i think maybe that some writers might be and i i don't know if this is true for sure but i think it it can be the case that some writers are a little bit hesitant because they feel like they have to struggle and do it on their own right like I've got to have this you know this this uh starving artist you know oh I've suffered for art um kind of thing and I would like for them to know that number one that's not really true you don't have to suffer and there is help available and that a book coach can help you get that book done faster better and hopefully with less pain mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. Less pain for a hard job is uh, always a benefit. Yes, always a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Robin, thank you so much for a great conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.